0: Hello and welcome to the Tap Market Podcast. I'm your host, Troy Scarborough. I'm an entrepreneur who has started, acquired, and more importantly, is focused on growing companies. In this podcast, you'll hear from entrepreneurs about how they got their start, what their company is about, what has worked for them to get to this point, and how they plan to build their brands. Expect to find actionable tactics that you can use to grow your business and get motivated to get through the grind into a meaningful entrepreneurial outcome that will change your life. I'm thrilled to have you here. Be sure to follow us on YouTube and Instagram at Tap Market. And let me know if you've been listening to the podcast. I love connecting and hearing from you. All right, let's get to it. Hey, guys, Troy here from the Tap Market podcast. I've got Jonas Lookoff with me from Barkletic. Welcome, number one. Please tell us about the company and how you got started.
1: Yeah, so Barkletic provides allergen-smart supplements and treats for dogs with food allergies and sensitivities. And how this came about, my partner and I, we had been dreaming about getting a dog for forever. And we finally get this dog, and it was a dream come true. The cutest dog, loving dog, just well-behaved. And this dream quickly became a nightmare. She had all sorts of issues going on, health issues. She had, Chronic ear infections, itchy skin. She would like scratch all night, would not sleep, diarrhea, digestive issues. And we were in and out of the vet. We would get antibiotics, go home, go back to the vet, come back. And it was just like this vicious circle. And she was never getting better. I started doing some serious research, going down the rabbit hole on the internet and seeing what I could find to help her. I was buying her supplements, like probiotic chews and stuff, because I thought it would help. I'm massively into supplements myself. And nothing was working. I go back. I found a page on dog food allergies. So I start going down this rabbit hole and realize, oh, man, a lot of these people, their dogs have these kind of symptoms. And once they stop giving them certain ingredients, they get better. So I went to the vet. We put her on this like limited ingredient plan. And it's basically boiled chicken and rice. And you have to do this for like 12 weeks, no other food and you really want to isolate different ingredients and then add them gradually. Well, the problem with this was my dog's allergic to chicken. So she would not get better. And once we figured this out and removed chicken, and there's a couple other ingredients she's allergic to too, she bounced back so fast. And during this time, I wanted to help her in her recovery. I want to give her some more probiotics and digestive enzymes and stuff like that and i'd be in a pet store for like an hour just for like treats supplements and i'd be reading through all the ingredients and there was so much in there that she was allergic to it was really hard to find and i had to keep relying on just like various products sometimes they'd be sold out so basically that's how this was born i got sick and tired of sitting in a pet store for like an hour reading ingredients And then I was mortified once I started really doing the research into it on what's actually in these like treats and supplements. It's crazy. From sugar, you know, you give me your dog like cavities and stuff to all sorts of weird stuff that they hide in there. It's eye opening, that's for sure.
0: What kind of dog is it? She's a black golden doodle. Her name's Louie. Yeah, she's the best. I know where you're coming from. We had a chocolate lab in our family before we lost her. And she would have sort of a skin rash problem as well. Like... We couldn't figure it out on her belly, you know, went to the vet. We ended up changing her food and changing the like shampoo that we used and it worked. And I think these types of symptoms are very prevalent in dogs and figuring them out, it can be very tough. But I think the tailwind that you have right now is that there was like an unreal amount of dogs that became children to people during the pandemic, it seems to be there's more dogs than kids out there nowadays. So your market is huge, right? And and you're talking about a client base that also loves to spend money on dogs, just like parents love to spend money on kids. They really do spend a lot. And it tends to be technically still less than what you'd spend on a kid. So why not spoil the dog? So the addressable market is phenomenal. I like where you're going with it.
1: Yeah, it's nonstop growth. I even checked to see if it was recession proof from last recessions, and sure enough, yeah, it's like one of the only markets that keeps growing. Yeah, you know, and I'm one of those people that treats my dog like a kid. She comes everywhere. You know, we like to like dress her up, do goofy things with her. When it comes to spending, there's nothing I won't spend money on if it's going to help her. I like to say that
0: she has a pool and I don't.
1: That <laughs> just goes to show you.
0: <laughs> so you're launching this first product. How did you land on this? Tell us about the product and sort of the next steps that you're taking with this product, because you're very early on. You're in pre-launch, but you're almost like right there. Give us the story. Yeah. So basically, we'll be launching around the beginning of January 2024.
1: I had been working on this product, which is a ProViotic chew, for about a year and a half now, trying to find the right suppliers and manufacturers, working with veterinarians. And basically, when you're working with manufacturers that have things in place, they're pretty much printing money. They want people to just come in and white label products, push them out the door. It's easier for them. But when it comes to making a new product with like a new base ingredient matrix, that's where things get tricky because they've never worked with you before. So you really got to build that relationship, make sure they're invested in what you're doing, and they think it's a good idea and uh, I'll go from there. I would say one thing was um, I was talking to a couple and one seemed like it was promising the world They had probably half the lead time of any manufacturer that I talked to out there. And they said they could do anything. And then when it got time to order, they said they couldn't do the things that I was asking. So there was like a big connect. And I think they were just trying to like pull you in to eventually make you like, oh, okay, well, I'll just get these ingredients or
0: whatever. It was pretty crushing at the moment, but I, I learned a lot from that experience. So how are you going to do this launch? Tell us about the process that you have in plan between now and that first sale. How have you been preparing? And then how are you going to execute sort of the next like 45 days, maybe even the weeks after the launch? Because I think a lot of this audience can learn from that. There's going to be people listening to this that haven't even gotten their product fully designed yet. And they're thinking about this exact moment of How do I guarantee some success to justify this minimum order quantity that I have to pull off here and put my savings into? How am I going to get those sales to get the results I need to get my money back from that? Right. One thing I've been working on throughout this process is building
1: my email list. So a lot of my posts and whatnot will have a call to action to get on our email list. I've, I've run some contests that worked out pretty good. It's just offering free Chewy gift cards. They're kind of lower leads, but I found with my emailing and stuff like that, the leads that were just there for the contest have kind of filtered out. And it's actually people now that are kind of interested in the company. Another thing I'm going to be doing before then, I've reached out to a couple dog brands and I'll be doing an audience multiplier campaign where we'll run a contest. I'll be donating like another Chewy gift card or something uh, directly related to dogs. And they'll be putting up some of their products and I'll run this campaign and we'll get people to join our email list, sign up to our socials. There's platforms that help you do this. They can get more entries by doing certain actions. And I'll run that campaign as a, like I said, an audience multiplier. So that's another thing. And then one of the main things I'm stoked about is I started a Dogs Helping Dogs initiative. So there's a charity aspect behind this. And it's kind of taken from a playbook of one of your previous guests, who's an advisor in my company, Chad McGilsey. He'd ran this, I think his was Pets Helping Pets or something like that for his old brand. And I'll be donating a portion of my sales towards dogs with cancer to help them get the treatment that they need. So one thing I'll be shouting from the rooftops is if you're within the first 100 people that purchase our product, which you'll get a discount code for, I'll be donating 100% of the profits towards a dog that needs help that has cancer.
0: That's a great plan. And I know Chad famously for this one. And I've told a lot of people about doing that as well. Because the idea is, it's just your profits. You need to get through that selling the minimum order quantity so you can make a reorder. So if you can capture the sales and the momentum, that's going to continue, especially because you're launching on Amazon. So when you can drive the customers in there, you can get the conversions. Amazon will drive you more organic conversions thereafter. So if you can break even by giving away... Your profits to get through that initial launch, that's worth it. In the short term, you're not giving up much for the long term organic continuation of your business and getting to that next order. So I think everybody should do that, whether you're a fully established company doing millions of dollars a year or not. Find something that aligns with your community so that you can communicate about it. And everyone wants to find something that they can give back for. I don't think that's even questionable in the entrepreneurship community. It's just finding the one that's right for you and your community that will potentially even move the needle for you. That's the most exciting part of my business, I find.
1: If I can fucking help as many dogs as I can while I build this thing, that's it. That's what gets me
0: going. Yeah, 100%. So you're launching on Amazon. It's just one SKU. So it's fairly straightforward from a product management perspective. I know one thing, you're in canada technically and you're selling in the u.s so talk about maybe that fulfillment and why you went down that path basically after doing my research i found you know i was just using
1: programs like jungle scout and helium 10 that for this specific category of dog supplements it was actually more competitive in canada and there's a much lower ceiling of how high you could get and my goal is to help as many dogs as i can So I decided, well, I'm just going to do it in America without really thinking how complex it can actually be. There's a lot of extra steps, but I think it'll be worth it in the end. I'm down in the States a lot. I love the States. I do have a minority equity
0: partner down there. So it just kind of made sense. And will you be trying to do other tactics like pay-per-click? Have you looked into AI programs like Autron or Quartile to help you with ad management? And the cost-effective management of advertising on Amazon?
1: Yeah, definitely. I'll be using uh, Tron AI. PPC is just kind of a, it's a necessary, almost evil that you have to use on Amazon. you It's just kind of something that you should consider as an automatic in your business. It's There's no ifs, ands, or buts. You You just kind of have to run it.
0: One other thing on early launches, a key piece is getting reviews early on that are like, five-star reviews that you can really bank on, but you, you can't buy reviews on Amazon. They have the built-in Vine program. If I remember last time I used it, it's like $200 askew. SKU. Then they just give away up to 30 products to random reviewers that they have relationships with. And those always turned out pretty well. I think on average, we'd get like a 4.7 star rating out of the 30 that we did. You could also go to your audience. Some people have done like, search, find, buy type stuff so you can try to give reimbursements for reviews directly or try to trigger friends and family to come in and give reviews. But getting those very early on when you you get your product in there, you know it's live. Can they go buy it that day and submit a review? For Fuller Oats, for Dane Fuller, I was able to submit a review when I ordered it. So I hadn't even received it yet which was very weird that they let me do this on Amazon. But I literally ordered it. Then I went in and submitted a review and it showed up for him immediately. Now I had, he sent me some because he was on the podcast. So I did have it before, but it was interesting. So it's just like fighting to get those reviews early on is going to be a game changer because you're going to find out that for every hundred purchases that are random, you're only going to get so many reviews, right? Exactly. And I I think one thing that would help with that
1: is this Dogs Helping Dogs initiative. I think that really gets people into your ecosystem. So they're actually really stoked about what you're doing and might help incentivize them to leave a review. But I'm not telling them to go to leave a review or anything. No black hat tactics here. But I think spreading goodwill is a a
0: good place to start. Yeah. I wonder if you could even be like, hey, we're giving profit for purchases, but we'll give an additional $5 to the charity if you go give a review. Might be the way you get your first 20 reviews. And that would still be cheaper than Vine. I know uh, Amazon's not too cool
1: with some of those kind of tactics. So I'm just trying to play within their rules. (laughs) So We'll see.
0: Yeah. It is a little touchy. I know Amazon has things like if you get stuff where like, they've been on the same Wi-Fi as you, they'll track it. It's really crazy. So don't have your sister who was just over for Thanksgiving go write a review for you because... She was on your Wi-Fi, now you get flagged. I know quite a few people that have been in this space. I was at uh, Capcom
1: last year, Ryan Moran's
0: entrepreneurial event. Me too.
1: Yeah, yeah. We'd met there. <laughs> and there was a guy I'd met there, and he's doing over a million dollars a year in supplements on Amazon. But he's also on like, Chewy and all these other things. And he's like, what tactics are you going to use? And I was like, well, I'm not going to be using any black hat tactics. And he's like, what? I'm like, do you? And he's like, <laughs> he's like yeah, of course. Everyone does. And I know one of your past guests, Christopher Burris used to have a dog supplement company as well. And he got out of the space because there was a lot of weird things going on, like people clicking on all of his ads. So it goes through all of his budget or ordering all of his product at once and just throwing things off for him. So I'm aware of that, but I think my patience will help me persevere.
0: Yeah. Chris had some weird stuff happening to him. We've seen it ourselves too. Like how did our ROAS drop for no reason? It's like, somebody is spoof clicking my, my ads right now, I can totally tell something like it just doesn't make sense. That karma will come back to get them. That's all I have to say. <laughs> if you make a good product and you have a good community, that's the key to a successful business. Amazon's just the platform that you use like a website. You know, if we talk a little bit about it, I mean, if people are new to Amazon as a seller, you'll notice that they're making a ton of changes in there to make it act like a website with their A-plus content, with their storefronts, with their post page, where you can basically have social media. Amazon wants to keep buyers on there. They want to incentivize people to drive people to there. They're giving attribution credits now. So for instance, if we were paying 15% of every sale to Amazon, if I drive somebody in, whether it's just from an email or a social media link or even Google Ads and I use the attribution link, it knocks off 10% of the 15%, for me at least. It's different for different categories. Yeah, They're even incentivizing us sellers to drive off Amazon traffic there. They're trying to find ways to keep people there. They're trying to find ways for us to not have to go run a Shopify website at the same time and still add value and engage customers. So you can go further just on Amazon than ever before. And you can tell your brand story. You mentioned Ryan Moran. The product, it's not on switch. It's like the nitrous oxide product that he recently launched. On his listing, he was showing pictures of himself and his own kids type scenario. And it was just so different than everything else on Amazon. We're doing it for Forrest and Herald and Viable Harvest as well because it's humanizing Amazon, which I think is phenomenal. Yeah. There's too many faceless, nameless brands on Amazon, they're obviously overseas manufacturers just selling direct through Amazon for cheaper prices. Yeah, That's going to get people bad products from brands that they can't trust. So if you can humanize your Amazon listing, I think you'll have a ton of success over just faceless, nameless corporations that are just product selling and not creating a community.
1: Yeah, definitely. And that's one thing that I was kind of taught through Ryan Moran's community was to build a community and actually build a brand somewhere where people want to be and then bring it to Amazon because they do reward, you know, outside traffic.
0: Yeah. And they'll, they'll reward it with more organic reach, maybe Amazon choice badges, even if they're for short term to follow you. And that all just builds over time. So where are you going? Let's say we launch here in January. We have a successful launch. We drive our email list there. We drive our social media successfully. We stay in touch with them. We get a few ambassadors that believe in the program. What comes next? Where are you going? How can this community help you? What tactics do you see on the horizon that are in your playbook to get this to a million-dollar brand? You can do this full-time. It can support your lifestyle. Those types of things, which are obviously the goals, right?
1: Right. So... I'm definitely treating this as a long-term goal, at least a couple of years to get where I want to go. The people that do come with me, I want them to be rewarded when we finally do have an exit. One thing that I think will help me get there would be I'm looking for that strategic partnership with an influencer, whether it's a veterinarian or someone in the dog space that does have a pretty big following that wants to hop on and become a part of our brand. And I think that's probably my main goal, To And, you know, I do reach out to them. One thing is a lot of veterinarian influencers in this space end up having their own brands. That's kind of becoming a thing with influencers now. I think they're getting smarter and like, oh, well, I can just release my own products. Why do I have to do it with someone
0: else? Yeah, I think they're going to find just like Instagram influencers. I can see them all going down this path as well, like Mr. Beast type influencers creating their own products. If you're a full-time veterinarian and you're creating content that adds value, you're going to have to hire somebody to manage the product brand. Why not just partner with them? If, if you guys can structure the value in the right way, I could see that totally. Yeah. I currently
1: do work with like a veterinarian and I'll always consider her part of the team. She doesn't have a big following or anything like that, but she's helped me do formulation, all sorts of things. I've worked with a couple of veterinarians now. And they're all awesome. They're like the heroes in my journey, I, I find. So um, yeah, anything I can do to help them and help their profession, I'm always down to do. So in the future, I'll probably do some kind of a campaign to maybe help some veterinarian students get through school or pay for their schooling or, or whatever it is that I, I can do to help.
0: That's awesome. And shout out to Chad. I know Chad would love to see you get on Chewy. That's a, a super unique opportunity for your space. That marketplace is so niche and has such a strong buyer following that once you get to a, the certain size that would let you be able to come on that platform and be successful, it just raises that bar of revenue in a way that is awesome. Because for you guys, if your product is successful with a customer, they're going to buy that product for their dog forever and their next dog in their next dog. And so you have this customer forever and so it's just getting in front of more eyeballs and chad always spoke of the the chewy marketplace as the platform for you guys and other brands have other platforms whether it's etsy or something else having that is huge you know and just to speak about my own
1: product it was actually made for my own dog that's how much care was put into it like i worked with veterinarians for probably 18 months To work on this formula, I was paying out of pocket just to have them help me do this. I wanted to do it right. And when you look at other ingredients in these chews that are out there, you know, a lot of them have pretty similar active ingredients, which would be like the probiotics or digestive enzymes, but there's also natural active ingredients like ginger or pumpkin or things that are actually improving their health. But also in their inactive ingredients, what makes up a big part of the chew is where these other companies are falling short. If you look at some of the biggest brands, they'll have like ascorbic acid, that's like a preservative, which is vitamin C. Well, if you give your dog too much of this, it can be a not good situation. It can cause like kidney stones and all sorts of health issues. They produce their own vitamin C. There's things like palm oil. Like I'm not gonna go down that path. I refuse to have it in our product because it's directly linked to the deforestation of orangutans. So, you know, I'm a company that's trying to, you know, help the world. I'm not trying to put crappy things in there like that. The biggest seller of probiotics has an ingredient, they're called Animal Digest. And that's a very undefined ingredient. And there's some literature out there from FDA sources. And I'm not going to get too far into this rabbit hole, but it could have euthanized animals in there and traces of the leftover chemicals that were used to euthanize those animals. They like all sorts of weird shit like that that's been uncovered and very eye opening on this journey.
0: Yeah. And that's the type of stuff that you can put in all the content that you create. Now it's just getting it in front of people, right? Yeah. Just telling your story, telling your product features. How do you spin that? People tend to not necessarily purchase based on just product features, Mm -hmm. but how do those product features relate to their problem? So if you can identify their problem that they're facing and then solve it with your features that are differentiated, that's like constant content. Yeah, You know, one of the things that I always had a problem with early on in my career of e-commerce was I'd say something once and then I would just assume that everyone has heard that. From me <laughs> right. and i wouldn't want to say it again what i've found lately is you have to just keep saying it because you're constantly getting presented in front of new people that have never heard that so like you can't just tell your story of how you got started one time and like post it on social media and expect that somebody will have scrolled down and saw that story and whatever you have to like almost keep telling your story keep telling these product stories, keep in front of people, mm-hmm. just keep doing that. Even if it seems ridiculously repetitive to you, it really honestly is not to the end listener because the end listener is constantly sort of changing, if that if that makes sense. Yeah, that's great advice. I think anyone listening should definitely adhere to that. I don't always
1: do it. And listening to you say it, this one thing I'm guilty of is thinking that everyone's already heard that message once, even though it's buried in my TikTok or Instagram. And I should really be probably talking about it once a week. Absolutely. I think my biggest post, I think I had like thirty seven thousand views or something. And it was just me talking about how chicken is one of the top
0: allergens for dogs. You should tell that story again Mm -hmm. and just change the setting. If you were outdoors on a hike telling that story, do it indoors at a facility walkthrough on your co-packer and just tell it again. You know what I mean? And reuse it. Honest to God, you have to, otherwise people aren't going to know it all. Yeah, for sure.
1: That's a good point. It's taken me a while to get to the point where like, I didn't want to be the face of the brand. I did not want to be posting. I didn't want to do any of that. I just wanted to partner with someone and find that person. But you have to get started somewhere and you're not gonna have that partnership right off the bat. And now that I'm more comfortable in it, I'll be doing a lot more. The fear has gone for one of doing that. And then the other thing is, it's kind of my story. This is how I've jumped through hoops just to help my own dog. And now I'm bringing that to the world to help them. So Who's going
0: to tell it better than than me? Every brand needs to do that. The days of the faceless brand are gone. I forget who said this, but recently I heard about the progression of where we are from a marketing world, a world I talk about US. So we created the smartphone. Then we created apps for the smartphone to exploit the smartphone and use it. On the apps like Instagram, we then created creators or influencers to exploit the app and monetize the app, right? Now we're creating the products that are being influenced on there. That's where you see these Mr. Beasts of the world creating their own products to sell because it's getting harder to extract more value off of the influencing. So they're all either creating product brands themselves or they're going to be forced to partner with product brands to really extract the value. Mm -hmm. We're right at the cusp. Of potentially millions of brands like ours being created, telling their own story or partnering with people to tell their story in some form or fashion, because we don't want to buy a faceless product that we don't know from Amazon because there's too much noise out there. And the ability to connect with a person and connect with potentially a mission like you were talking about is going to be all the difference in the world when you're talking about smaller percentages and in a somewhat commoditized space of pet supplements or wallets for Forrest and Herald or whatever it may be. And that's why if you were to ask Chad, Chad would tell you niche down, niche down, niche down. I think when he was on, he was like, if I were to do it again, I'd niche down to, I think he has French Bulldogs. Yeah, correct. A French Bulldog specific brand because I would be able to connect so much more with that buyer to tell that story. We got to give a shout out to Brock and Beast. That's his dog's there. There you go. <laughs> and so you can see that. It's all going to be about that messaging. It's all going to be about that comfort. And you don't have to be the best at it, I don't think. You just have to be the most authentic at it in doing what you say. And documenting it is really hard for some people. Mm-hmm. But I think you're spot on, dude. You've got to figure it figured out. It's just... And you have the right attitude. It's not going to happen overnight. Anything that happens overnight can be killed overnight as well. So the long-term play in building something slow and steady and consistent, you have the right mentality going into it. And I've seen other brands go through different entrepreneur
1: communities that I'm in. They start this brand. It's a huge market, say like um, supplements, so like sleep supplements. I saw someone that was targeted at like older people, like the guy was trying to help his grandpa. I had a friend that did a supplement brand for like testosterone boosters and all sorts of things. And the market's huge. They put all this work in, launched, didn't happen for them right away. And then like us, and there's nothing wrong with it. They both went on to do bigger, better things. That's for sure. Both those guys that I know, but if they stuck with it now, they would have, in my mind, definitely a successful business. They put all the right pieces in place, but it just didn't happen quick enough. And you got to have a bit of patience and humility to kind of get there and realize like it's not going to happen overnight.
0: Yeah, you got to wait for your break. I think it was flipping holder, Leah, right there, actually, if you can see it. Yeah, she's a friend of mine. She was a lawyer selling this product for years until one day the right influencer just loved the product, made the post, and boom, got that level up in sales. And it, it came down, but it settled at a higher high.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Happened again with another influencer. Boom, went up, settled down at a, at a higher high. It's the same thing. She just went long enough to not give up. Now, granted, there are definitely products that aren't going to be the right fit or you might have a better opportunity to go do something else. But there definitely is a stick-to-it-ness that sees the winner at the end. I think it's mandatory. And a lot of these things, like you look, it's like, oh, look at this person.
1: Like they did it overnight. And that's like such a huge misconception. If you talk to these people, it's usually a couple of years of work before that, just to even like learn through the processes of getting their product made. And it's something that definitely usually doesn't happen overnight. It can. I've seen people go through Ryan Moran's incubator program and stuff like that and come out golden on the other side within like a year. But a lot of people that I know that have built these successful
0: companies, it takes them a couple of years to get going. Yeah, I agree with that. And as a as, as an owner operator, I will tell you, none of my stuff is growing like that. It's just stick to itness, making changes, nothing too drastic, trying to improve every day, trying to expand lifetime value, trying to cut some costs, trying to find new avenues to sell and reach new faces. Mm-hmm. It's slow and steady.
1: Yeah, and you're you know you have to be prepared. It's hard to prepare yourself for it, but you're going to have to eat shit every once in a while. Like there's things that are going to go wrong and probably more more often than not. And that's kind of the cool part of it. It's like, if you accept that, one of my favorite things I've heard someone say was Jocko Willink that uh, used to be a, a Marine. He's written many books and stuff like that. But some of his people under him, when things would go wrong, they'd be scared to come up and tell him what went wrong because he would just say, good. And that's it. Just like, good. Okay, now we have a new problem to try to tackle. This should be interesting. Let's move on. So when things like that happen, I try
0: to say good and move on, but it's not always easy. That's for sure. It's definitely not. Yeah. But that's the difference between us and them.
1: Mm, exactly.
0: That's really what it is. Yeah. So give everybody the rundown here. You're on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, at Barkletic for all of those. Yeah. You technically have a website too, even though we're sort of pre launch That's going to forward to Amazon to purchase... But you can sign up for the emails there right now. Yeah. If you go to our website, also,
1: you'll see a pop-up to get on our email list. Within that community, we're going to be offering exclusive discounts. You get a free dog food allergy survival guide written by the veterinarian we partnered with, Dr. Paula. She's a distinguished veterinarian. Um, she's been around for a while, and she's really smart, really into ingredients and nutrition. And she helped us
0: put this together. So you get that for free just by joining our email list. So I'll end up getting a product as well. And I'm going to do product review posts, put all these links in this, which will be coming out with the right timing for your launch so we can push people. So we'll we'll do what we can to help from a co-marketing perspective. And you and I will chat more offline. We'll figure out how else we can get some co-marketing launches for you i know sweet we're going to do inbox inserts hopefully for your launch as well so that we can introduce it to our customers at lawn serve and forest and herald and viable harvest so we can get you some exposure love it thanks we know some other pet brands that you'll be able to connect with that you can potentially do some co-marketing with so it's funny talking to other brands
1: some of them were actually scared to work with other brands for some reason. I think like, there's like maybe some secrets coming out or or something, even yeah. though they're not competitive with your brand. I'd met a couple of those people at Capcom. Most people are like fully supportive and want to work together, but there's a few that might not see it the same way, which is fine.
0: In my eyes, it's the future for us smaller brands. That's why we created tap market. You know, small brands working together with similar buyers that are interested in supporting small businesses. And I think that's why we created it. It's the it's the future for us. We can't take on the Coca-Cola's and the other conglomerates of the world at the Facebook and Google level. Mm-hmm. It's just too expensive. We need to get our minimum viable threshold through, you know, our audiences, our grit, and our partnerships. This is the future for us little brands. And I'm glad you're able to come on here and enjoy that with me and help me spread the gospel of (laughs) co-marketing. We look forward to you being successful, bud. Yeah, thanks man, I really appreciate it. Yeah, we'll have you back soon. Thanks for coming on. Hi there, if you found this podcast helpful, I would appreciate it if you took a minute to leave a review. This increases the reach to more entrepreneurs and other people interested in the products, brands, entrepreneurial stories, and their successes, so we can create even more positive small business outcomes. Take a screenshot, tag me in your social stories to friends. This means the world to me to know this podcast has influenced your day and life in a positive way and that we get to be a part of your own journey. With gratitude from me, until next time, go make it a great day.